trending news right now. What are hashtags and what are the news-making topics? Let's find out in the in terms of the past 24 hours. On this Tuesday, we welcome Mighty Jamie, researcher, analyst, and social political commentator. Mighty, how are you on this uh, Tuesday? How are you? Hello, Mighty. I'm very well. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for making time. How's the start to the new week been? Uh, well, you know, uh, it's a good start. It's a good start. No complaints. Awesome. Smash Africa admitting to um, Saki affair. Let's start that. I know we normally end on this entertainment news. I don't know if this is entertainment because we're talking of uh, a dissipation of a marriage here. But anyway, uh, the wife of Smash Africa uh, making cheating accusations and uh, talking about the media personality Smash Africa and what she discovered. As we came last week from hashtag cheesecake and Tupperware, we've got another one. Yes, yes, yes. So it seems that uh, the story this time is that, uh, you know, the, the media and radio personality Smash Africa is having an affair with a popular singer, you know, Asanda Mbana. And um, that's been the fascination of social media. But I think it, it, it probes a bit deeper when you think about it that we are always having these conversations about fidelity, infidelity, uh, and we use the celebrity, you know, relationships to almost evaluate the relationships that are happening around us. And I think this is part of the fascination. And um, it seems here that there were issues around about, you know, in, emotional manipulation and, you know, the typical things that people actually do talk about on social media around relationships. So this particular, I think, you know, scandal is one that allows them to tap in again because they know these celebrities, they listen to them on radio, they know their songs, they know the mother, they know the daughter, you know, because there's a lot of celebrities uh, or, you know, parents who are celebrities all implicated in this particular thing. But, yeah, you're right, you know, when we're talking about the institution of marriage, you know, uh, and its fragility or when it's going through whatever turbulence it is, you know, it, it, it's something that social media thinks of as entertainment, but it's a real issue, you know, yeah. on the ground because people's lives are affected, families are affected, you know, people don't just get married, they bring families together to do so. So the uh, woman is uh, Kifilwe Chuene, who is daughter to actress Rami Chuene. Are they mm. still married with Smash Africa? What's the status? Well, from the reporting that I've looked at, it does look as if there's still a marriage. You know, he's denying that he cheated and, you know, the the person who leaked the story basically was also, you know, uh, doing some sneak jabs at, 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 at Smash Africa, you know, saying that, you know, there was a fight in the house and, you know, appliances were not broken. Uh, you know, apparently Smash was saying that appliances were broken. And then the article is saying, well, she didn't break appliances because those are her appliances. And Smash only owns a kettle and a laptop. And you're like, well, how is this relevant to the story? Is it even true? So it, there's, a, there's a little bit more to this, I think. And, you know, because of the source, it's coming from a gossip blog. We won't really be able to get to the bottom of it until I think they start disclosing to the public the real issues, maybe on a more serious platform. Yes, and uh, it seems there are uh, um, uh, details in terms of the marriage starting to disintegrate in 2020, according to that publication. They're saying that that is what uh, Kifilwe, the wife, has said, and alleged emotional and and, uh, psychological abuse. 
saying she she's saying he's accused her of being a gold digger and conning him into marrying her. These kinds of sentiments, though, I'm wondering if they're not done in heated uh, arguments, which is something that's quite normal between couples. People say things they don't mean and probably things they don't even remember in that heat of an argument or, you know, things falling apart. Uh, what are your thoughts in terms of sharing the details as far as going as to what was exchanged that wasn't so pleasant? Yeah, you know, the, the, the old saying says don't air your dirty linen in public because once the public sees that dirty linen, you know, it, it is what it is. It never goes away. And my thoughts are whoever is leaking this is not helping the couple out for this particular situation and is not helping them for future situations, you know, because even now in, in, in a future situation, other people will be very worried to open up to you, very worried to open up to your family because they'll be like, oh, well, my stuff is going to end up on a, you know, on a, on a gossip blog because somebody here has those kind of connections and is willing to, you know, tarnish my name in those kind of ways. So I think um, this is, it, 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 it does look to me like, as a product of, you know, very pent-up anger in a, in a moment of anger that it was, you know, divulged to the public. But I don't think that these kind of details should be helpful. There are certain things you don't want showing up in certain publications. And I think this is a classic example of that. Okay, let's talk uh, Western Cape Police confirming the rescue of an eight-year-old girl, Abira Dekta, who was kidnapped a week ago. Yes, so I think the great story here is that the Western Cape Police have confirmed on Monday that the eight-year-old Abira was actually found after her kidnapping in Ryland. And that's good. They issued a statement and said that they rescued her from a shack uh, in town to Kailicha, and this was followed by a joint operation which was led by various specialized units, you know, including the city of Cape Town's law enforcement officials. They said she will be re- reunited with the family once she's undergone a medical assessment. Okay, you, you know, so we don't know what stage she's in. No, no, we don't. And uh, to be honest, I think these uh, kidnappers are very foolish because Abira, you know, she's, she's a Muslim girl. You can tell from the pictures. If they had her, you know, uh, in Kailicha and somebody saw her, I think that would have been, you know, what, what really cracked the case open for the police, yeah. if I'm honest. Uh, but the the problem of kidnapping is one that has become a worry, mm. you know, because this used to be something that we used to watch on TV and hear about in relation to Nigeria, where there are a lot of kidnappings. That's really the big African country where that was normalized. But if you think about the last two years, how many kidnappings have we heard about? How many times have we had to navigate this? I think it shows a desperation in the criminal community as a, as a result of the hard times that we're in. People are no longer settling for hijackings and house robberies and, you know, uh, you know, cell phone, you know, pickpocketing and all of that stuff. It looks as if criminals are now entering into more hardened types of crime because kidnapping is actually like, it's one, the level of moral depravity to say, let's start stealing people's children. And two, you know, um, the amount of operational uh, bravado you need to have to take a child, take them somewhere, mm. demand a ransom, all of those things are things we've not had to deal with. But now they seem as if they are now part of our, you know, um, what shall we call it, crime reporting. And it's a very worrying trend. And I hope that, you know, it doesn't escalate any further because you can imagine it just now leaving any more 
anybody who has any level of prominence would now have to get extra security for their children. This is what creates the kind of isolation and bubbles in society when, you know, the wealthiest in South Africa begin to think, I don't want my child anywhere near, you know, the poor people because my child will be stolen, you know, and that can create even higher walls than the holes we currently have because we obviously all know that inequality is still a big problem in South Africa. And it takes away your childhood. I mean, just having to be safe now means you can't be a child like the way we were children. Yeah. We're really hoping that she's okay. And, um, yeah, my worry is that at eight years old, she, she would remember this trauma. Uh, yeah. You, you are aware at that age. Mm. So I'm just worried about that and hoping all the best for her and, and the family. So investigations into the kidnapping continue. Yes, yes, of course. And I hope that if this is being done by a syndicate and these two people were just, you know, the foot soldiers, that all of that is uh, resolved because it is really a worrying trend. And obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm sure the parents will get her, you know, child therapy and, and try to work through this. But this should never happen mm. to any child. This is one of the worst experiences that any human can go through. It's very terrifying, I can imagine, to be kidnapped. So it's just something that I wish we didn't have to do with. Senzo Meiwa murder trial. Let's go there. Longwe Twala's name has featured again when Meiwa's childhood friend, Dumelo Madlala, returned to the witness stand for cross-examination yesterday. Well, I'll tell you, I haven't been following um, this trial closely anymore because it's just a lot of drama. And I think that actually... This is not going to end with these five men actually being convicted for this because I think that, you know, um, there's, there's no proof beyond reasonable doubt that they are the ones who did it. But it's also been very interesting to see the sideshow, you know, the, the discussions around Longway, the discussions around around Kelly Kumalo. So they witnessed uh, during cross-examination, um, you know, read a statement. We said that I was for the first time to see Longway Tala and I did not tell anyone or the Mayor family that Senzo was killed by Longway because he did not have a firearm with him. Instead, he ran away. This was a statement that was read, um, you know, uh, yesterday. And so it was implicating Longway. And there have been some discussions about Longway in the social media space and even in the documentary because of the inconsistencies in his story and explanation, obviously, some of the stuff that has been raised by his own father and some of the allegations around his drug consumption and uh, elements connected there too. But all of this really is worrying because he's not on the dock right now. You know, he's not charged. Mm-hmm. And um, it just makes me think that our criminal justice system moves too slowly because if some of the stuff had been raised closer to the time, you know, I think when everyone's memories were fresh, when witnesses could have come out from the streets even further, this really would have assisted this particular trial. But as things stand right now, I don't think that anybody thinks that they'll really get closure from this. And it's become this scandal that is uniquely South African because we have this murder where I don't think we'll ever get to the bottom of it in a real sense. And some of the people who may be legitimately uh, looked at as being suspects in this case, actually moving on with their lives and having the best time of their lives. So I don't think we'll ever get to a point where we'll say there was closure for the Mayiwa family, not not under these conditions. This looks like to me, when I look at it every time, a, a regrettable circus of our justice system. Do you think that supports as strategy to 
the uh, uh, thoughts or conspiracies around somebody wanting to conceal what really happened there, the meaning or, or the memory and reliability of the witnesses, as you say, it's taken so long, so much time has lapsed since 2014. I don't even remember what I was doing last year. Yeah, I mean, you know, they do say that traumatic um, incidents are easier to remember uh, because of the nature of the trauma, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you won't as readily forget some of the things that happen on, on days that are unusual versus usual days. However, it's been such a long time, we're in 2022 right now. And the reason why you want to resolve these kind of issues very quickly is to make sure that people can remember that testimony is reliable mm. and that you'll be able to actually even potentially get witnesses who still remember this but may not have been paying attention to it, but remember critical details like, oh, yeah, I did see that person go in or I saw a blue car pass by that house that day or whatever, you know. The fact that it's taken so long, let's think about the George Floyd trial. George Floyd was killed, you know, um, I think in 2020 on the 25th of May. And within a year, the trial was resolved. You know, the killers, Derek Chauvin and others, were under arrest and incarcerated and sentenced. But look at where we are right now compared to that, you know, uh, American case. This has taken far too long, and I think it, it does affect the reliability of a lot of the testimony that's happening right now. And this is why I'm saying that, you know, I don't think that there is, you know, uh, the, the burden of proof is normally beyond reasonable doubt. And I don't think that it's clear that the five that are on the dock right now, you know, did the crime beyond reasonable doubt. And the question then becomes who may have done it. Uh, those people are not on the dock right now. And to me, this is a whole big mess. And it's an indictment generally on our criminal justice system because we often just look at the police, but we never look at the other elements of it. And I think the whole system, especially the criminal justice system, is not built for the purposes that we need. How are we going to catch the ghost workers who have been working, you know, in the rail sector, if we, in the transport sector, if we can't even sort this kind of a, a murder trial out? Yeah. Also there, Kelly Kumalo's lawyers have been denied access to the courtroom. And uh, what was the reason for them wanting to be there if she's not taking the stand? Well, they, they asked uh, for access uh, to go into into that particular uh, proceeding uh, to understand the material aspect. This is what the, the lawyer said. She wanted to understand the, um, all the material aspects of um, the deliberations. But to me, this doesn't make any sense. You know, Advocate Nsomi could have actually gotten all this information from the television like everybody else. Mm. Um, so just this another step or another, you know, part of the drama around this particular case, you know, the various people who are accused on the sidelines or suspected rather on the sidelines, you know, also wanting to become part of the show. All of this is just is not helping the whole situation in my opinion. But like I said, I've stopped following it on a day-to-day basis because there's a lot of information and I'm not always sure it's the best use of my time based on the fact that all of these legal, you know, procedural irregularities continue to happen here in this case. Yeah, I think we're giving up. Uh, we, some of us have already given up. We've already just gone, you know, this is never going to be solved. And I don't know, for us, it's difficult as journalists to have to analyze things that are difficult to, to analyze. Because what, what else do we say now? But okay, yeah. let's move on. Uh, American actor then, uh, John Aniston, dying at the age of 89 
This is the father to actress Jennifer Aniston, uh, news being confirmed on Monday by his daughter. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's a very it's a very sad story. Uh, you know, uh, he was known for his role, you know, as Victor. Uh, Victor, what is it, Kirakis uh, on, on Days of Our Lives. Oh, yes. And <laughs> so we all grew up watching Days of Our Lives, and I'm sure many of us never recognized that that was Jennifer Aniston's dad. Um, you know, but he had his own, uh, you know, legendary career. Age of 89, I think that's a good wicket. That's a, that's the best you can get. One of the best times you can get on this earth. You know, anything after 85, I think you really are, you know, one of God's favorite children. Especially if you were living in Hollywood for most of it. Um, you know, so he had a career for 50 years. Aniston has said he was on productions such as The West Wing, Star Trek, Gilmore Girls. So he, um, you know, he, he did have a, an illustrious career and obviously his daughter was able to continue, you know, carrying the family flag high of acting. So it's definitely a loss to, you know, the film community, definitely a loss, obviously, to uh, Ms. Aniston. But I think that he did, in his industry side, live a good life. We obviously don't know him personally, you know, and that's for his family to, to make assessment of whether he was a good man or not. But, um, you know, it is a loss to the acting community. And he did, he did uh, give us, at least in South Africa, we, we, we followed Days of Our Lives for a very long time. You know, you know like sent through the, through the hourglass, so are the Days of Our Lives. So uh, we also got, you know, to enjoy uh, some of his work and all we can say is rest in peace. All right. May his soul rest in peace. 50-year career he had. Uh, a cause of death not reported also, we understand? Yeah, yeah. The cause of death has not been disclosed at the time. But at, at, at 89, really, the cause of death is old age. Yeah. You know, I, I often wonder why we bother with the cause of death. If it's not a murder, you know, then natural causes at that age you know like i was in med school for a very short time before mm-hmm. i dropped out but uh one of the things that they they, they would discuss is the, the, the kind of uh you know uh, morbidities that you carry with you at that level because basically every chronic problem exists in an old person's body at some point you know yeah. everything starts falling apart you become a scorer unfortunately at a certain point even if you run marathons at one day the system is going to start saying okay I'm, I'm getting ready to go now. Yeah. All right. And uh, ending off on six people dead in Istanbul. Dozens have been wounded. There's a, a, an explosion that happened in Turkey, and uh, Turkey is blaming Kurdish rebels. Any claim mm. of responsibility? Well, it doesn't look as if right now there's been, uh, you know, clear claims, because we do know that there's always been tension in Turkey, you know, between the government of Turkey and the, the Kurdish groups that want to actually separate from Turkey. So every now and again, there are terrorist attacks. There are these kind of activities. So it's unclear right now who is responsible. But we do know that, uh, you know, uh, Putin has uh, offered his condolences as well because he has a strong relationship with uh, Erdogan. And that's really the, the highlight of the story outside of the fact that, you know, all of obviously his people... Have, have have been killed. The suspect has been arrested, and this has been reported by the Interior Minister. So we'll probably get more clarity around everything. The the alleged, you know, um, Kurdish groups have actually denied any role in the bombing, saying that they will not directly target any civilians. And this is the the militant group that has been trying to achieve, you know, self-rule in the southeast of Turkey. 
right? Uh, but they are regarded by many uh, in, in Europe as being a terrorist group, the PKK. But um, as far as we know right now, there's no clear, you know, um, organization that has been implicated. So we'll have to wait for investigations. But obviously, um, you know, it's a region that has these kind of terror incidents and um, there is a lot of frustration in that region. You know, in Turkey is not is not always, uh, you know, 100% peaceful because there is some version of a dictatorship and then you have these issues there and then you have a region which is also not 100% stable. So, you know, we often, oftentimes we find that now, nowadays it has become normal that there will be some terrorist attacks in parts of Europe and parts of the Middle East. So we'll wait to see um, what other information shows up. Uh, many people have been giving their accounts because in Istanbul is, is, you know, it's a big city, it's the city, you know, and um, the fact that this happened there, um, you know, obviously it, it's like having an attack in Johannesburg or Pretoria. It, it, it would be something that would be very significant in the Middle East, very significant in Turkey, and this is the kind of thing that would really traumatize a nation. And you, you, there's been lots of eyewitness accounts saying that, you know, um, this is what happened. So mm. there was black smoke, there was a noise, and people actually saying that this is really a real implementation of terror because you can imagine in the popular cities being scared to go to the mall, being mm. scared and to go to the It was a shopping area, right? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. And that's what, they, that's what they want to do in general. You know, we often forget why it's called terrorism is to make the public terrified to even go outside. You know, and they achieve that purpose. And it's very regrettable, of course, that lives were lost. And Europe is standing also in solidarity with uh, Turkey. Even Fr- uh, Fr- French President Macron actually wrote out a message saying, we share your pain we're with you in the fight against terrorism. Even uh, Zelensky mm-hmm. uh, sent out a message. All right. So messages of condolences coming there from different uh, parts of the world. Well, uh, on this 15th of November, we leave it on that note. Can you believe we're halfway through November already? Yeah, the year, the year goes by quite fast. You know, when you're busy and you have obligations and people to transport and all yeah. of those things. So, yeah, we, we always have to try to find time as adults to slow the world down. And I think some of the things that help with that are taking walks, you know, journaling, you know, actually switching everything off and meditating. It's not always, you know, just to, um, you know, try to tap into Zen or things like that. It's just sometimes to slow down the clock necessary. so that you can begin to necessary. see. Exactly, exactly. And maybe that's where we can leave it just to say to everybody, journal and meditate and slow down, you know, the remainder of the year so that you at least enjoy without just getting to 31 December wondering what happened to 2022. One hundred percent. Mighty Jamie, our uh, trending news as well as wellness corner guest. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks so much. Researcher, analyst and social political commentator. Have a great one, Mighty. You too. Pleasure.